You're listening to High Temperature Times, a nice warm podcast to get you through these blustery winter months. My name is Griffin Patterson, and I'm an application specialist with Harbison Walker International. Over the last two years, I've been dipping into the technical marketing inbox to answer your questions about refractories. I should come clean that I don't have all of these answers. Refractory knowledge is widespread and complicated, and I very often reach out to others for information and answers. One of the people that I reach out to often is VAS Application Support Manager Dino Biondillo, as he has an unparalleled wealth of knowledge about bricklaying and refractory installation. So rather than limit him to one technical marketing inbox question at a time, I thought it would be best to bring him on to High Temperature Times and give us the tips and tricks that we all need. But he's not the only one with knowledge to share, and I'll lean on others for this month's question in our technical marketing inbox. Remember, if you've got a question for the podcast, reach out to us at technical-marketing at thinkhwi.com and use the subject line podcast. This month's question comes from Roger Hudak, asking, I do a lot of rotary kilns, and I typically find that alumina bricks utilize ISO shapes, while magnesia bricks are in a VDZ format. Why is that? Credit goes to cement application manager Larry Morley for assisting in answering this question, but first, a quick summary of VDZ versus ISO shapes. ISO brick are from the International Standards Organization, ISO, and have numeric indicators that define things like the kiln diameter, the height of the brick, and the lining thickness in their name. VDZ bricks, on the other hand, are from the German Association of Cement Producers. They use the same numeric indicators, except with the precursor of B to show that it's a VDZ shape. VDZ shapes are typically smaller, meaning that a greater number of joints exist in the lining. These joints help reduce the stress buildup on expansion, which is much higher on a basic brick than an alumina brick. With alumina's slightly lower coefficient of thermal expansion, the larger ISO shapes can be used and the expansion will ensure they are locked into the lining. If ISO shapes are used with a basic brick on too small of a vessel, the compression due to thermal expansion could cause the bricks to rupture. Thus, the smaller VDZ shapes with more joints are recommended. One additional consideration for VDZ shapes on basic brick is the smaller brick make the denser magnesia easier to handle. On the other hand, another reason we typically recommend ISO brick for alumina shapes is because they have more of a taper compared to their VDZ counterparts. This means the wedge shape itself provides more of the tightness and integrity on the lining, relying less on the thermal expansion of the brick shape itself. Anyways, thank you Roger for the question and thank you Larry for the assist in sharing this information. So now I'm all jazzed up and ready to become an expert bricklayer, like our guest, Dino Biondello. Welcome, Dino. Hello. I, I hope that after all that introduction, you're not feeling any undue expectations. <laughs> Can you uh, tell us a little bit about your background and what you do with the VAS team at HWI? Uh, I've been a refactory bricklayer, mason, um, welder, form builder for a refactory. Everything I've done with masonry has been refactory only. Uh, going on 40 years. Uh, I've learned a lot over the years. Now for Harbison Walker, um, I do anything from training some of our people on site. Currently, I'm working with our people at our tech center, teaching them installation procedures for our test kilns, harp kilns, box kilns, electric box kilns, etc. But my job capacity now with Harbison is to give technical installation support to our contractors that we deal with, to our customers who request. So the installations go smooth for the most part without issues or concerns. So if it's all right, let's, can we dig into what the VAS group does, the, the value added services group? It's quite a unique department and quite a service that you provide. You're a busy guy and you have to travel uh, quite a bit for long stretches of time. 
what does a day in the life of a VAS application support manager look like? Typically, uh, I'm always on the job site uh, before it actually kicks off. I like to introduce myself to the uh, guys working the job. They're, I'm a, I let them know I'm a bricklayer just like them. I'm not there to scrutinize, criticize. Boss, that's, that's not my role. I observe, and if I see something that we don't, as Harbison Walker or the industry standard, deems not a standard installation procedure or not a recommended procedure, I bring it to the attention of their superior and suggest, recommend that, hey, look, we don't really like to see this or this isn't what we consider a standard in the industry. And believe it or not, probably 95% of the time, they'll comply. You know, we don't know everything, but working together, we get those issues resolved. I mean, you'd hope that we know refractories, right? We supply them. Yes, yes. (laughs) And we want to keep our products installed properly, not only for our customer, but for, for our name and for, I mean, for everyone involved. And just one note, we are the only, the only major manufacturer in the world that offers the services that we offer. So this podcast was certainly a, a difficult one to brainstorm for me. I mean, you're a bricklayer with 40 years of knowledge, and I, well, the best I can say is that I sell bricks and could maybe even lift a 9 by 4 and a half by 3 straight all by <laughs> myself. So how does one ask the questions about that which one knows very little about? So let's get personal and I guess let the conversation lead itself from there. As a young bricklayer who had 40 years of experience ahead of him, what is a piece of advice that had a major effect on you? When, when, you, when you start and you're working around seasoned refactory bricklayers and they give you advice as a young bricklayer, as I do to young bricklayers now, pay attention and listen. And that advice would be, hence, gentleman told me, He says, you're going to be a good, now, note, he said, you're going to be a good refactory hand. He said, you have beginnings, you don't have bad habits. He says, but son, let me tell you something. He said, your hands are not hammers. It was just just a habit that I had when I, the way I'd mortar my brick and lay it, and I would take the side of my hand, make a fist, and bump the brick in place. Absolutely. My hands are a mess. They are. I'm, my, my hands have arthritis, I have scar tissue, I have bone spurs in them. The man was right. But I kept that bad habit for probably 15 to 20 years. And now I'm paying for it. I mean, my hands, they, they really ache daily. Yeah, I, I mean, I see myself doing that, right? And I think, oh, well, it's not, it's not hurting me right now. I don't have 40 years of experience of... of Using my hands as a hammer, that, that's nice. I like that. And the edges of those brick are sharp. Now, if I if I do it, I'd cut my hand. Now, when I tell people that, they, they like laugh. Well, my hands are soft. I don't have calluses anymore. Because you learn to use the tools that you're given and not the ones you're born right. with. Yeah. The, the last 15 to 18 years, and when I was actually on my tools um, daily, uh, yeah, I never used my hand. I used, I used my mallet. That's what it's for. But any any advice for a young bricklayer wanting to get into this field because this i mean bricklaying's an art 
refactory bricklaying is definitely an art. Some of the configurations that we do, connection work, arches, self-supporting domes. I mean, there's just, I could go on and on. And these are things that I have learned to master over the years because I was fortunate enough to be able to work with older men who taught me. And I paid attention and listened. Yeah, you know, talking to that, like, looking at some of that more impressive brickwork in the industry, I immediately think of the installations where, you know, one complex shape intersects with another, such as like two cylinders. I think I've mentioned this before on another episode, but like on a drawing, it's just a bunch of single lines, which really fails to capture how odd those shapes become. I imagine there's a lot of really complex brick cutting there. How do you approach that? It's... A lot of guys make it more difficult than what it is. Connection work, one of the most beautiful examples that I have done in most recent history. Didn't I didn't do the install. I was on a project for us. Large steel plant was in the southern peninsula of South Korea. These were three units all mirrored each other, and they were actually gasifiers. So you had a horizontal unit, big. These things operated at 800 PSI at a high temperature, which is a lot. The vessel, the steel of the vessel itself was eight inches thick. I think we call that a bomb. <laughs> yeah. Well, then in the center at the top of this horizontal vessel, you had a conical and you had a stack. So you had a vertical coming off of a horizontal. On top of that, a conical, but it was a lace connection. So just take your fingers and lace them together. And that brickwork was beautiful. And I helped teach the South Korean bricklayers who had some knowledge. They just needed to be refined. I helped teach them to do that. They had a training module, which was unbelievable. They had it made. It was made out of lightweight wood, and it came apart. It was, a, it was an actual scale to what they were building, and it was very expensive to have made. But it was, a, it was an unbelievable training tool for these guys to use. So in, in this case where it was a lace design, was that design inherent to the specs of the unit? Or yes. was that just how you came up to it and like, this is the best way to do it? No, that was that was the spec as per the design of the unit. Now, Harbison Walker designed the lining. We designed the lining. And when you have something like that, um, simplest thing is, uh, I'm sure you've been in a... In a, in a round vessel before, well, you go in through a round manway. Mm-hmm. If the vessel's vertical, the manway comes in horizontal. The brickwork around that is a connection. Unfortunately, it's getting to be a lost art because in, in, in my recent experiences, there's not a lot of people left out there doing them. So what the installer will do is they'll tooth the brick towards that opening and they form it and cast it. Right, and it, and it doesn't last near as long. I've been in vessels where the brick areas have been in there for years, years, but because there's not experience out there that not enough experience out there to do these, they're getting away from it, and it's a shame. You can always trust the bricklayer to say brick is best, right? That well, <laughs> I mean that's it is. That's that's why I didn't go on gunite jobs a lot. I shot gun in my in my career. Never shot shot Crete. Didn't want to. But gunite, I used to I used to say no. I don't like liquid brick. I I believe I'm listen. I'm a bricklayer. 
I've heard it. We're squirting dirt. We're do- all kinds of things. I'm a bricklayer. So on the other side of things, you're now the master and often working with these young Padawans. What's some good advice that you you dole out to help limit the mistakes or just make things more efficient? No such thing as a stupid question. Yeah. You only get paid to lay that brick once. Oh, now, now if you're using, just I'll just use this as an example. I go in, I don't stand there and watch them lay every brick. But I'll go in and make sure that everybody's on the same page. Maybe I'll go out and I come back in and ah, this guy was... He wasn't, he wasn't on the same page. Okay, so, well, how can I fix it? Well, it needs to come out. So now that was, say, an hour and a half ago. And you, you're using air set mortar. Can't get all that mortar off the brick. So, you know, now you, now you got wasted brick. None of the brick's cheap. Plus, you got to tear it out. Now, if it's fresh enough, you take it out. Oh, no, you don't throw that brick away. No, clean it off, reuse it. So, you know, there's a lot of, I just, I, I try to, Try to stress these guys. Just take your time. And if you have a question, nobody's going to laugh at you for asking a question. But I have had guys laugh at other guys because you were afraid to ask. And, and look, now you're doing it over, sometimes more than once. You know, I mean, that, the only way that you're going to learn is by doing the actual install. But pay attention and be conscious of what you're doing and take pride in what you do. Don't be there just for a paycheck. I like that last comment. I get to see some really beautiful installs from some of the CIs that we work with uh, that they publish their content on LinkedIn. And that that is the way they put it every single time they post it is, uh, look at this work. I'm I'm very proud of it. And I I, I like that. I like that mindset. Yeah, well, you know what? It's, it's very gratifying. Um, I, I was able to, I did it, but I was, I was, I was asked to take it off of LinkedIn, but I, I put on there the harp kiln that I relined. It's the first brick I laid in probably 12 years. Um, I was very proud of that. It actually has a crown roof, which is, a, and it's a bonded crown, so they're not independent rings of brick. They're bonded. And then there's two other arches, support arches in it, so there's three different elevations of arches in the roof of this. And that's and that mortar joint. If you look at that, I mean it, it, it does the the corundal mortar does seep into the brick a little bit because they are you know they're that's a corundal LW. It, it's a lightweight uh, brick, so it will soak in a little bit. But those joints are very thin. Like those joints are no larger than two millimeters. That's it. Mm-hmm. Which is I mean refactory. Anybody will tell you tight is right. But a sage piece of advice. Definitely, mortar's not a fix all. Mortar is a, uh, I've been on jobs where you don't use mortar, but mortar is a construction aid and too many guys abuse it. So as a man with as much experience as you have, I'm sure it's not the same occupation today as it was 40 years ago. No. People might think that not much can change when it comes to putting brick down, but surely that can't be true. Would you say that someone who traveled in time 40 years would pick up his bricklaying profession as if it were 1982? Also, Holy Trinity, 40 years ago was 1982. <laughs> I'm so old. Listen, Griffin, I've been out of high school. My, I just had my 45th reunion. I graduated in 1976. This year I'll be 64. But, you know, some of the things, some installations never change. I mean, some procedures, some designs. I mean, they're timeless. They don't change. It's all the new stuff, which, you know, we make 
I've just always been partial to Harbison Walker uh, and all their brands before they we were Harbison Walker International because I use those products most of my career. And I, and I favor them because we make a superior product. I mean, it's, you know, that's just the way it is. So I know for a fact that when our products are installed properly and handled properly, mixed properly, if it's a castable, um, mortars, you know, I've been on jobs that they don't use potable water to mix things. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> what are you doing? I mean, seriously, would you drink that? Well, hell no. I said, well, that's what this means. And they just look at you like, well, we've been doing that for 20 years. <laughs> yeah, and you wonder why things fail. So what about like, you know, talking about the new things, right? Like, are are we making bigger bricks? Like, I think about, I think about brick assemblies, right? Yeah. That's got to be a newer technology. Yes, that and special shapes. So mm. it used to be to achieve a special shape or a large area. There was a configuration of brick with a lot of cutting, a lot. And then on the other side of things, like thinking about 40 years ago versus today, the the industry standards, like ha- have bricklayers become smarter in the way, in the problems that they need to solve and identifying what needs to change? <laughs> um, as now I'm considered one of the old timers and the young guys are even more spoiled. Um, things are no harder now than they were 40 years ago. In fact, they were sometimes more difficult 40 years ago. Some of the solutions they're coming up with are just, I mean, they're awesome. You know, I wish they were around when, when, when I was, you know, a young guy. But unfortunately, we had to be very creative, but stay within those boundaries that was acceptable practices. And safe. Yes. You know, safety has come a long ways, and installation practices have changed somewhat for the safer, the more efficient, uh, you know, for the better. And it's, it's, it's interesting. We, we always say like, oh, refractories been, have been around since fire itself. And yet just from 40 years ago until today, you can think about how just the evolution and body of knowledge has grown to a point that makes it better than we were then. And then what the refractory industry is going to look like 40 years from now when that body of knowledge is even greater, right? Yeah. Well, you know what? What what people, what a lot of people don't understand, Griffin, no matter how automated we get, a robot can't think for himself. You can't teach a robot. You know, we, we have robotics now to help us with installations. But when it comes down to it, that craftsmanship yeah. that's in a man's head – and can, can transfer that knowledge to his hands, eye-hand coordination, doing the work, that, that'll that forever be needed. Forever. Yeah, I mean, think about it this way. What what you were saying earlier with, with the tools, right? The, the Mule R is a great example of automation that helps refractory installers do their job. It's no, no different than your hammer, right? It's just another tool in your toolbox to get your job done. It's not replacing you. It's doing, it's helping you do your job. I'll be I'll be honest with you. When they first told me about it, they said this Mule R, and I was like, I laughed. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. But you know what? First of all, it saves a bricklayer from repetitive movement. So the Mule R is good. It's got its limitations, but they're constantly making improvements with it, and it's. And until the until the bricklayer gets the actual 
just of using it regularly, at first it's a little bit slower. Safer. No injuries. Yeah. Here's what I had to say to that. You give you give me a hammer mm-hmm. and you give you a hammer, right? Watch how much faster you work than me. Now you give you the mule R and me the mule R and we'll probably work at the same speed. Right. Exactly. Experience is going to go a long way. Yeah. But you know what? That, that, that thing is really, it's really neat. I just, again, they're constantly developing new stuff to try to add to it. So, you know, I look for it to really, really be a lot more, uh, you know, like inserted into some of these installations. Right now it's big in the steel. Uh, like like yeah. ladles, uh, BOF lines, not so much. Mostly ladles, and you know, those brick aren't light. There's a lot of them, and they do a lot of them. Period. So a lot of brick and a lot of relines, and that thing really, really helps. It does. It really helps. All right, thank you, Dino. I know we've only talked for a short time, and there's no way we encapsulated your entire skill set in just a few questions, but you're a busy guy who's actually on a several-week-long job right now, so I won't take any more of it. If you would like to learn more about bricklaying, our value-added services team, or how to get Dino out to your shop to show you the ways, reach out to us at technical-marketing at thinkhwi.com. We've got a whole lot more knowledge to share this year on High Temperature Times, so be sure to subscribe to us on any major podcast platform so you don't miss an episode. Regardless, we'll see you next month. Thanks for listening.